Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. This week, the story is about Andor, the much-anticipated next episodic installation in the Star Wars franchise coming to Disney Plus in early fall. It's most easily described as a prequel to Rogue One. It kind of sells it short, I think. It's going to feature a lot of the same characters, certainly one lead titular hero uh, in particular, but it also provides a, a valuable opportunity to bolster the greater understanding of a key era in the timeline, and it also could be when Star Wars finally starts to go a little darker. Ross, what do you think we can expect from the tone of the Andor series? Uh, I think you're right. I think it's going to be darker. I think it's going to be probably the darkest uh, thing we've seen in Star Wars. I would say Rogue One probably is the the darkest thing in Star Wars, yet it's very, very hopeful, which is good. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's the, it's the grungiest, you could say. And uh, I think that will continue on. And I think... There will be a lot of despair in this story. Uh, but through that, I do hope that hope or some other um, positive theme uh, does ring true in this show. And that uh, I can imagine it is. It's a, it's a show about the rebellion uh, in a certain way. So I'm sure there will be positive elements of morality in there. Uh, I do worry that the show could be a little cynical in just its overall tone. But um, I'm not going to uh, be cynical and assume that that's going to be the case ahead of things. Yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that too much because the rebellion, if it's a show about the rebellion, they are in essence, like by definition, optimists. Like they're they're doing work that is against the odds in service of this final goal, this mission that only exists because people had the audacity of hope. And so I, I don't think we're, we're uh, going to bump up against... Cynicism, although I think we will find characters who are cynical, and that'll be the the difference. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned despair because, I mean, like obviously one of one of the great examples we can come to of like the empire being uh, nefarious would be the the desolation of of Alderaan in the original Star Wars movie, and so because the full galaxy hadn't been fleshed out to its full extent at that point, we didn't actually have to grapple with the implications of blowing up Alderaan or what that meant emotionally to an awful lot of people who we would consider heroes. But probably they can use 24 episodes in this series to really invest us emotionally in some stuff that ultimately they're going to yank away from us in a way that doesn't have to be cynical, but can be heartening and perhaps emotionally challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And I think that that's fair. And I think that that teaches lessons the same way that Star Wars always should. Uh, and so that's important. I think my my worry is that potentially they will, I guess, pull so far back on the metaphorical slingshot that they will dip into darkness, maybe a little bit more uh, just so that we get the satisfying release of Rogue One at the end. We don't want Rogue One to be where like, oh, everything was was shitty. And let's just continue to show all the shitty wind up. And then you got Rogue One. And that's when everything, like all the hope came through and everybody was great. And then we got the Skywalker saga. No, I, I don't want it to like have this be total, like just Cassian going through shit. But at the same time, this is the guy who 
kills somebody immediately, like kills his contact yep. within the rebellion the first time we ever meet him on screen. So we need to show how a character gets to that point. Uh, and that's where I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried because how do you show a character getting to that point in a story that is, is still in a way positive? I guess the biggest tonal difference between Rogue One and most of the rest of Star Wars is that it's really not for kids. I mean, I guess kids can watch it and they'll enjoy K2SO, I guess. And like, there is like, there's some likability factor. And if you just like action set pieces, then fine. But you're not going to be rewarded that much as a kid watching Rogue One if you're trying to like understand and follow plot. And so maybe we're going to go for the same kind of tone with this series i would be okay with that yeah uh and i'm i'm very excited for there being a strong political lean to this mm -hmm. however i would worry about a show that leans too heavily into the adult i guess tones of rogue one and the adult tones of the prequels without like i, I worry that that's some that, that could be leaning too far into the Star Wars, like making it not for children. And yeah. in a certain way, it does need to be digestible to a 12 year old. Star Wars in every way should be. Otherwise, I think like you're, you, you maybe are missing the point of its simplicity. Right. And like, this is going to kind of step on a couple of the things I want to talk about going forward. But like a, a good way that they have demonstrated a style for that dichotomy in the trailer is when we get that quick shot of a couple of the imperial officers and they're holding like travel mugs like they it's mm -hmm. it's such an interesting design choice because it's an incredibly relatable like human characteristic they call them fat and happy i think um mm -hmm. w w yeah that that's like fun dialogue but it's also sudden it's it's it somehow grounds the the whole like gigantic universe and these characters in a context that is relatable even to a kid who like sees that his parents use travel mugs and so like if these guys guys are the bad guys these guys are like the big bad boss at work or something and i don't know i might be like connecting dots that i don't even fully understand but um i think that they can do politics in a way that's digestible and not a movie that is half a kid's movie and half a very dry political drama, which is say the Phantom Menace. And so like Phantom Menace is a kid's movie, but it doesn't flow tonally at all. And maybe this will be a little bit more neutral. Yeah. I don't, I don't doubt it's, it's, it's tonal consistency being a lot better. I just, I get, I just, I just maybe worry that it'll be leaning uh, so, so adult, but at the same time, that will still be very enjoyable. Uh, it's just a matter of I don't want it to be I don't want it to become too distant from what we know while being still OK with something very, very new in right. an era that we know. So like we often do, we're each going to list six things, but it's not so much a top six as it is just a whole schmear of things we do want from this series and things we don't want from this series. So we'll we'll start on the down note. Ross, what is something that you really do not want to see in Andor. I don't want to see glaring omissions for the sake of being different. If Tarkin needs to be there, use your Star Wars magic and put Tarkin in there. Mm. 
if logic says that Palpatine should be there, as in the fact that he is at the top of the Empire Pyramid, and they're the bad guys in this show, then don't avoid putting Palpatine in just because, oh, well, Palpatine's the Skywalker saga character. And we kind of like people are sick of those. And so I or even Vader, I don't want a glaring omission if it makes too much sense just for the sake of being different and the fact that we've been getting a lot of those. That's so interesting, and I'm just going to like say mine, because this partners really well with my first I don't want, which is, sure. a, which is a Skywalker story. I think like definitely time we bench this, and I know like Obi-Wan Kenobi is inextricably connected to the Skywalkers, but there's like Luke stuff in Mando, and that was satisfying, but like it was a little probably uh, forced, so to speak. Uh, and then like Vader appears in Rogue One, of course, in a very satisfying scene, and I wouldn't take that away, but I kind of think this story can exist without the Skywalkers. And I definitely think that this story can exist without Vader needing to be front and center because it's not like he's like the face of the operation anyway. Um, no, that's true. So I totally agree with what you said about about Tarkin and and the Emperor. I think, I think that like he's not going to be a character in this show, but I kind of think it's going to be noticeable if he's not in it at some point. And, you know, similarly, Director Krennic, we've talked about a lot, needing to see... Ben Mendelsohn flexes chops again. I don't know if there's any rumors about oh, yeah. that so far, but they can do so much more with the with the technology now that it just seems like Tarkin is an absolute must. So that's a good one. Yeah, I really would like to see Tarkin. He makes too much sense, um, and I'm not sure who there are, who other which other characters could make sense. We know we're going to get uh, Saw Gerrera. He makes a lot of sense. We're getting Mon Mothma. That makes sense. Be cool to get like a Crix Maydine in there. Uh, I don't or, know. Uh, <laughs> he's the guy with the ridiculous comb over and even maybe more ridiculous little beard from Return of the Jedi. Okay. Yeah. He takes over like after Mon Mothma speaks. Yeah. Um, and so, or, oh, you know who would be great? It'd be great to see uh, Akbar. Oh, sure. Or, and, and or Radis. Uh, so like those kind of characters, it they would be kind of glaring omissions if they're high ranking rebel generals, which they were. Yeah, that's true. I guess we've just been talking about Imperial people, but this applies very obviously to to rebels as well. Because like the Rebel Alliance is still really unclear in the original trilogy. They're like introduce some new every like every turn there seems to be a new person who's running the show and that's explainable, but like it's really hard to tell from the original Star Wars movies how big the Rebel Alliance is, except for that they say they're small. But like how small? Mm. And so you're right. That it would be nice to familiarize ourselves with with some continuity. Yeah, and the alliance is fragmented, and we get to see it kind of unite a bit during Star Wars Rebels, the TV mm. show. And I would like to see um, some of what's going on in this exact same time frame link up a little. Mm -hmm. What do you What do you think about what I said about Skywalker stories? Should we just like hands off Luke and Leia entirely? Yes, I don't need to. Uh, Leia could maybe make sense as a, like a mention. Or, um, yeah, a, a mention. That's a, at most, of the, like, in, and not even something that's, like, overtly on screen, but something in the background uh, in some political uh, 
angle or through Bail Organa, who should be in the show. Well, and um, we, it's not like we can use Vivian Lira Blair, right? We can't use her because the timeline doesn't work out. And so, like, I'm all for using that actress while, while she's the age that she is or even going forward, but not for this thing. So let's just not try and force it. No, I would agree. And no Han Solo, no... Um, definitely no, no Chewbacca. Yeah, definitely. No. Uh, n- n- no, no Yoda, no Obi Wan. None of those things. I, n- I would agree that uh, hands off the most of the main Star uh, Skywalker saga characters. Uh, but you could maybe convince me on Vader. You a hundred. I've already, and I'm. I want to convince you, everybody else, on Palpatine and Tarkin, and those ones you can kind of have your own. Palpatine is certainly directly heavily involved in the Skywalker saga, but Tarkin, very minor. So obviously we're not very good at drawing a line between things we do want and don't want, because this is really just a discussion of, of what we do want. What What is the first thing that you do want to see in Andor? I want to see some levity. I do mm. want to see some laughs. Uh, I know K2SO is likely not coming until season two, but I still want someone funny in season one. And that doesn't need to be like, haha, or even as funny as K2. But some some grim sense of humor uh, could work. I, I imagine Stellan Skarsgård's character might have a bit of a gruff sense of humor, maybe a la Grief Karga in The Mandalorian, but a little bit rougher around the edges and maybe a little less boisterous, mm-hmm. um, maybe a little like Tobias Beckett in that sort of way. Mm-hmm. But there still does need to be a little bit of humor. And or like Cassian has like almost none, maybe none. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and Mon Mothma although extremely limited in what we've seen of her does not give off much if any oh but that's so so interesting like what what if because we've spent so little time with mon mothma and we have only previously seen her when there was no time for joking around like what if this new illustration of the character actually revealed her to have this whole other personality side that doesn't contradict the mon mothma that already exists but suddenly makes her very charismatic and like heroic and that must have been a real challenge in in deciding now to build upon the character. Like, who exactly is this woman who we've been seeing for forty years? Well, she is. Uh, she's been in Rebels. She's been in books. Uh, she's a very, very strong pacifist leader. She gives uh, a very um, sincere speech, outing Palpatine and the like corruption of the Senate, and that's when she kind of like becomes public enemy number one who's not a jedi in the galaxy uh and this is uh, around this time period and so it would probably take place um at some point during season two where she won't be able to be around coruscant anymore she has to go into hiding as one of the rebel leaders because she is an unknown traitor of the empire at that point uh and so it would make sense for her to to build on that character. But at the same time, I don't foresee um, there being a, a, this super charismatic side, uh, like on a humorous, like I don't foresee Mon Mothma no. being the, the levity per se. Of course, but like so often our depiction of heroism within Star Wars is like shooting a blaster and like running into the fray and not being afraid. Uh, but like maybe this is a good opportunity to display heroism via bureaucracy or just like being mm-hmm. like a really hard-nosed activist as she is. And like that, that this is a really good time in the real world to tell stories about that kind of archetype. And so 
this this obviously obviously because the galaxy is fraught at this time we should be depicting all different types of martyrs and heroic figures and so I, i'm very curious about i think i said recently momothma is like one of the most interesting aspects of this show to me potentially oh i i completely agree and having some of that padme vibe back in star wars would be great yeah, yeah. well and we already kind of covered this but the thing that i do want is tarkin a thing you don't want is for them to exclude Tarkin. A thing I do want is for them to include Tarkin <laughs> and Perfect. Krennic. And, and more broadly, I think I just want to see uh, the founding of the Empire. Like we know that the Emperor exists in Return of the Jedi, but like presumably the organization of the Empire is still uh, in its fundamental stage as well at the time of this series. Um, and I don't want them to shy away from making chatty political um uh, stories. Uh, I don't think they want to lean too heavily on set pieces. I know they've spent a lot of money to not use the volume and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But like, I am comfortable with them doing people in rooms talking. I think that this is a great opportunity for Star Wars to do some theater um, and to s develop some, some guys who are on the bad side who are maybe not just boogeymen who actually have some personalities. Yeah, it would be nice to see somebody with maybe Tala's story from Obi-Wan, but not just walking off the back of a speeder and she already turned. And then you hear her little tale about why she turned. Uh, somebody like uh, the character of Callus uh, in, uh, I mean, that's a create some creative naming there in Star yeah. Wars. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's spelled Cruella DeVille. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> K-A-L-L-A-S, I think. So it, it 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 works in in the same way that all of the Sith are named ridiculous things. Yeah, really on the um, nose. But he he's a character that had uh, maybe one of the best uh, redemption arcs um, in in Star Wars of arcs that are realistic. Like you have the Kylo Rens and the Anakins, which are the more epic redemption arcs, but they're also ones that end in death. Mm -hmm. Whereas Callus had one of the few Star Wars redemption arcs uh, that doesn't end in death, and like we're gonna have now with potentially Riva's continuing yeah, story. I was gonna of say some that's kind. right. Yeah. Um, so I would like to maybe see something like that as well. Uh, characters uh, from the Imperial side, like you said, to kind of develop into something maybe a little more. Since you mentioned Riva, are we? And I, I guess I just went on a whole thing about how I don't want to see Vader, but are we likely to see? Um, what is her crew called again? The, the Jedi Inquisitors. Hunters? Inquisitor? Are we going to see some Inquisitors? I don't think so. No? And I don't want to. Yeah. I don't think they're needed. Feels at like a different point, story. That was the Obi-Wan yeah, this. Yeah. And at this point, there's only a few left. I think uh, there would be maybe four of them left. Um, and we know how all of them die. Mm -hmm. um, and uh Yeah. At this point, like we've we've seen most of their story, uh, and they're also too powerful for any for most any character in this show. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine any character without some force capabilities putting up a fight against Inquisitors or so why they would care. What's the next thing you don't want to see in Andor? Next thing I don't want to see is desert scenery. Hmm, I, uh, I don't, don't want to see Tatooine. I don't want to see 
Jakku. I don't want to see Pasana. I don't want to see a new planet that is the exact same as any of those ones either. Mm -hmm. uh, I love Tatooine, obviously, um, but I don't want to see it. Now, Rocky, you could convince me of a little Geonosis again. Sure. Not going to say no to seeing some Geonosis. Yeah. Um, may, but even Jetta, like Jetta is like a big, I, I don't need to see Jetta again. It doesn't, like while it was in Rogue One, it has no reason to be in Andor. True. Uh, it's just a, a place along the path that's, that's being harvested. Uh, and it's where Saw Gerrera is. And Saw is going to have a part of this, but Saw, like, it looks like, like Saw went to Jetta at the end when he went full mad. Yeah. And so I don't want to see any of those places. Uh, and I don't think we will, but it would be very Star Wars to do so. Yeah, that's really true. I, I definitely have to give Rogue One a rewatch before this show starts. I know it happens later in the timeline, but just to like kind of reset my context in Star Wars, I think I need to re mm -hmm. um, introduce myself to Cassian and just this particular corner of the galaxy because I'm struggling to remember like what brought them to Jeddah. I know what ultimately happens there, obviously, but like um, in general, I think it would be wise for them not to re rely too heavily, at least in season one, on where they eventually end up in um, Rogue One. It doesn't need to be the same story. No, and for season one in particular, I don't think it will be. I think maybe the last three episodes of season two will be. Right. So a thing that I don't want is stunt casting. I mean, it's okay sometimes. We all have fun, like when we learn later on that it's, for example, Daniel Craig in the Stormtrooper suit. Like that's that's okay. But I actually think it was really distracting having Kumail Nanjiani and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think in hindsight okay. that was that was weird as hell and it didn't like it's it's you and I try and talk a lot about how like we want to welcome anyone to Star Wars who just loves Star Wars and to want to be in Star Wars because you're an actor who loves Star Wars is actually a very pure thing but I also think it has to make sense and and just because you can get the the famous person to do the little bit part and I just don't know cuz Star Wars works at its best when it's really immersive and I don't know if I want to like grapple with the implications of, I don't know, Richard Madden showing up for just one episode as like uh, a rebel pilot or something. I, it was a weird example, but like, it's just kind of distracting when that happens. Richard Madden would be yeah, good in Star fair. Wars. Maybe that's not a good example. Um, yeah. But don't give them a small role either. And well, yeah, make it count. Don't just piss it away with some stunt casting. I don't want stunt casting. Yeah, and that's fair. And we don't know a ton of the cast. I mean, it's it's a huge cast. So we know some people who are in it, but they didn't give us this Instagram like grid the way they did with Obi-Wan, where like, here are 16 actors who are going to be in Obi-Wan Kenobi and just kind of check off in your mind what they are. Um, they didn't do that for Andor. And so we only know kind of the main characters. And so there are going to be some surprises. And I agree. I don't necessarily need them to be actor surprises. And if they're character surprises, they should fit. But yeah, I, I definitely don't need to see. Um, like now in that same vein, uh, the little girl who sells Obi-Wan drugs. Um, is, is Ewan's uh, daughter? Is yeah, And Dayu is, is Ewan's daughter. Yeah, That one was fine because sure. I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and and 
she worked for the part uh, and it was also fun to see someone trying to sell him more drugs but it's not stunt casting either that's just yeah. like that's a that's movie trivia that's very different okay yeah fair enough yeah uh so yeah I, I would i would completely agree with you no stunt casting well what do you want what's your next on your what's next on your want list this is i really want this and it's something that is not remotely foreign to star wars but it's really foreign to recent star wars um and maybe the last jedi is the and no rogue one as well the end of rogue one you could con, you could consider it uh and that would be a, a big juicy twist mm. and they're they've tried it with ray's heritage and that really flopped in my opinion on the, in the twistiness of that they tried it with beckett um turning on han um and there's really no twists it, you could say han dying in the force awakens uh, but I want to see something that really shocks you and not like Luke Skywalker showing up either in the Mandalorian. Cause that's like a little bit like a stunt return of a character, but I want to see someone you're not expecting to go bad, to be bad the whole time or mm. someone to get killed in a very, very unexpected manner. A la Snoke. Uh, I want something that is, um, or like the way the Rogue One lined up so perfectly, like a really like beautiful like twist. Like you're like you're realizing that I don't know an entire episode arc is is built around introducing I don't know um, say Sabe back into the show. Sure, um, yeah, just like, like and Kira Knightley. There, there we go. That now that would be. A really cool i just pulled that one off the top of my head that would be a really cool way to introduce uh, a bit of stunt casting yeah. that would also make tons of sense oh if sabe went um, on to be like a pretty badass rebel that she would be, does that would, she does okay there you go yeah in the comics and she even um like works a little bit with vader mm -hmm. uh on a kind of a, a mission just because both sides uh or i don't she doesn't really know she i think she has some inclination of sorts but um both sides to know that they're on a similar side and so yeah a character like that could be really interesting but that would be a twist and people would be like oh my god i didn't see that coming yeah whereas like a luke skywalker one is it's maybe more of a an expected twist to have him show up um but even like an i am your father we're never going to get that again um but i think they there could be a really big twist in this show especially with the way it's written uh, and all of the people who were working on it, who worked on the Americans. And it's just, it seems like it's it's primed to give us a really well-written twist. Yeah, and I wonder if the natural vehicle for the twist, if it's character-based, is via Stellan Skarsgård. Because like, he, he, he is a character who we know nothing about, but the trailer does seem to suggest to us that he's going to be the guy you end up watching for. Like, there's a lot of potential in because we see him in a lot of different forms. We see him as looking mm. kind of rugged and we also see him looking quite stately in the trailer. He gets a lot of dialogue in the trailer, which is limited. Um, and so I think he's going to be a big part of the show. And so if they can really pull the wool over our eyes with him in a way that's not hurtful, <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be really cool. Yeah, I would completely agree, except for the fact that he's exactly who I think will be the, like, if it's just him being on the other side mm. than they're leading him up to be, then I feel that's too much of a Beckett twist. Sure. It, it just feels too obvious. But if you can really make us all believe for like a season and a half even that he is on one side 
or another and or maybe in the end he's been on saw's side the entire time and then just like blows up a room with like mon mothma in it and she somehow survives or something but like a real like like give me something uh real twisty if you're gonna make it with stellan skarsgård but i'm i'm up for it just a side note because you mentioned padme's handmaidens uh rose byrne was on jimmy kimmel a little while back and she told this funny story about um her husband is Bobby Cannavale and they have kids together. And I guess mm -hmm. he's like a star Wars fan to the extent that like most people are. And he was showing their kids, the star Wars movies. And he started with the original trilogy and then he went to the prequels. So as a family, they watched many star Wars movies before mom showed up and she never told her husband that she is in a star Wars movie. And like, that's a thing you might not know, even if you love Star Wars movies. So here he is watching Star Wars, which he's seen before, and then sees his wife as one of the characters. And I guess it just melted his brain. Imagine that happening. Oh, that is pretty funny. If you're like a Star Wars fan, but not a massive Star Wars fan, you're not going to notice that necessarily. No. Or if you haven't seen it in a really long period of time. Uh, I wonder if they watched Mandalorian and uh, skipped over uh, episode five. Yeah, they might have had to. Uh, I certainly would have. If <laughs> That must be from a different merit, I guess, because that would not be her. Yeah, that couldn't work. Yeah. So the next thing that I want to see in Andor, I'm not even sure how to term it exactly, but I want to see the makings of a proper traditional spy thriller. So in particular, I want to see clandestine meetings. I want to see like Deep Throat in the Parking Garage. Or I want to see like the hiding uh, and the retrieving of the microfilm. Like like the really important, like, like stealthy, we got to pull this off. And then like the realizing that we're not going to pull it off and then coming together to come like to, to create a new plan. Like whatever are the natural traditional beats of telling a lacare spy story i want to see that in here because we already have a spy thriller in rogue one we might as well readopt the same theme for for these characters love it absolutely love it and uh you just gave me i'm gonna i'll, I'll say it now um but this is my top honorable mention um i want to see some bothans yeah awesome yeah many bothans were lost that's right it just makes too much sense and they were uh, the best spies around in Legends. And so give us uh, a true spy thriller, spy versus spy, Bothan versus Bothan, <laughs> and uh, some, some microfish being stolen um, and uh, having a cold war. Uh, amidst uh, a galactic war. I love know, it. Like maybe Bail Organa has to step up and and take on the role of, uh, of being a spy in a way that doesn't feel perfectly natural for him. But like, do we have to, mm -hmm. we like the, we like this character a lot, but does he just have to be a politician and a cool dad? Or can he actually like be put in a, posi a position where he's the only person who can effectively carry out this actually rather dangerous, suspenseful um, errand? And I, I would like to see him in such a situation. I think that's a great choice. I think obviously they're setting Mon Mothma up to do that. And the more dangerous missions, Cassian's going to be doing that. I mean, he, worked, he was yeah. in intelligence. That was his part of... Um, well, and that's a spy word, intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it, that makes complete sense. But that you're right. Let's have some characters where it's a little... And I think it's going to be a little out of familiarity for Mon Mothma. Uh, and I think it would be particularly great to see Jimmy Smith's have to be out of his elements, like you said, being from being cool dad and being the galaxy's biggest pacifist. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to make sense to have that. And 
yeah, every every element of a traditional spy thriller. I agree. I, I want to see. I want to see in this. Uh, what's the last thing that you don't want to see in Andor? Uh, the last thing I don't want to see is canon breaks. I don't want to see this show. I don't want to see the dialogue around this show from diehard fans being a, of frustration that things that have either mattered or been detailed or described in books, but are consistent throughout canon are broken um, because this show kind of threatens to do that a little bit. Uh, Cassian and K2SO have a story of how they met and will that story be changed? Uh, Ahsoka's story, she had a book and Dave Filoni's tweaked some stuff with that and yeah. people aren't thrilled with that. And it, it does kind of, it, it it lies as to what canon is. And I don't want canon in other mediums forsaken for the sake of this live action canon. Yeah. And uh, Tony Gilroy, while brilliant and is really excited about this, I think doesn't give a shit about canon. <laughs> okay. And that's okay. Nor that would that would be okay if it if it doesn't break big stuff it can like it can be it can dance around stuff but just don't break big stuff does stuff mostly still get filtered through dave filoni or is he pro preoccupied with ahsoka um i think he's getting uh I, I, he wouldn't be the person that every little canon detail was run past they have like the story group that allows for consistency and allows for like providing little inputs like oh that blaster wasn't used in this time period or or th little things like that just for consistency's sake but they usually don't have a ton of power and especially in like kind of large story beats and dave filoni doesn't know even always respect all of canon uh for the, right. the canon on the screen uh but he he doesn't veer too far away from it uh and so like it, it's still pretty similar uh, and so I would be okay with that. I just don't want to see things that era wise don't make any sense. Like Mon Mothma, for example, giving her speech and then having to kind of go into rebel hiding. Yeah. I don't want that to be completely contradicted in season two by having her like meet with Palpatine, like around the time of uh, when all the events of Rogue One are going on. And that just doesn't make any sense, for example. To be, to be fair, there is like a long tradition of changing canon in Star Wars. Like the grandfather himself was known to make changes after release. You just kind of have to stomach yeah. some of that stuff. Yep. Yeah, no, that's true. I just don't want it to be too annoying. Yeah. I don't want it to stand out too much. Because like, that can be a distracting thing as well. If you know something to be a certain way, that's distracting when it's overtly not the same way. But at the same time, sometimes the little changes can give you the finale of Clone Wars, and I'm okay with that. A thing I don't want to see is season three. And I know we've already planned out a full story of two seasons, 12 episodes in each season. I'm not saying that that's enough episodes for all shows. I'm saying a story should stick to its natural path. I don't want them to decide after season one, should it turn out to be like a huge hit and it becomes this like kind of strangely a, a, a sleeper hit for Star Wars. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but maybe it does. And people are surprised by it revitalizing their interest in Star Wars. And, and suddenly they go back to the drawing board and they're like, well, how can we squeeze more money out of this thing? Can we actually like write some more stories in the middle and make this three season arc? I don't want them to do that. I believe very strongly in the vibe of a show existing 
in its original natural narrative. And um, I, I, I love that they have a singular vision right now. I just, I really hope that they can stick to it. Also, no Star Wars TV show has been on long enough uh, for them to suggest that they won't. But I guess we're about to find out because they're creating TV left, right, and center. Yeah, with the rumors of a, a potential but very unlikely Obi-Wan second season and right. the rumors of a potential and I think pretty likely Book of Boba Fett season two. Yeah. Uh, M- Mando continuing on. This show has the cleanest vision of any show or of any property for that matter that Star Wars has done other than maybe, well, no, Rogue One had a pretty sloppy vision. Tony Gilroy tidied that and gave us an awesome product. Yeah. Um, but that's Tony Gilroy and Tony Gilroy's got a really clean vision on right. this from what it sounds like. You're right. He's an efficient uh, maker I, for sure. Yeah. And I completely agree. I completely agree. I keep it to what you've already determined. It, I think everything's already written. Yeah. If not, it's damn close. And so definitely don't just like extend it to make a cash grab. Rehire Tony Gilroy if if it's great. Sure. And keep that going on. Like I've got no issue. Nobody has any issues with that. Um, give us more spy thrillers. Just don't continue this one. This one, keep it to the 24 episodes you intended. Maybe it's the subtle threat of a season two of Obi-Wan Kenobi that even has me concerned about this i don't think they're gonna do it either but the very fact that like ewan mcgregor's out here being like well i would if they wanna is like almost not that i like your positivity but like it's it's kind of a betrayal of the story you already told to want to muddy up the works that much i'm sure if you want it badly enough there will be another opportunity for you to play obi-wan kenobi in another context but i don't i don't think it should be in another season of this show and uh same goes for for Andor without having even seen it. I just re- I'm really turned on by the idea of them already knowing it's 24 episodes. Yeah, I completely agree. It's something that stick to your guns. That's right. And uh, I think it'll be a better product for it. Okay. Uh, the third thing that you want to see in the show. The third thing that I want to see is the best damn looking Coruscant ever. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, we're, we know we're getting Coruscant back. And we are we're not using the volume here. And so that means there's better be some pretty impressive uh, sets going on. And there will be, I guess, blue screen with that. Uh, But that means I want to see the best looking Coruscant imaginable. Mm -hmm. We've got 20 years of technology on our side. It is the second most important planet in Star Wars uh, and galactically easily the most important planet in Star Wars. And it's one that hasn't had its due in so long. Weirdly. It's been done dirty. Yeah. And this show, it looks like it's going to have uh, some some Yavin, some Fest, some uh, Coruscant. Uh, I'm not sure if we know of any other locations. But yeah, Coruscant is one that we are familiar with. That's going to feel really great to see the, the Senate chambers uh, or the Rotunda uh, that's going to be so cool to see done in 20 years later's technology. Um, and even just like even the nightlife of Coruscant, if you're going to have a spy thriller, I'm sure there, there's a good opportunity for that. Give Cassian a mission there. Give us tons of Coruscant and make it look incredible. Yeah. And and don't be afraid, I would say, to make it look different as a result of the new political dynamic like let show us Mm -hmm. how it's impacting even the biggest urban districts of the galaxy 
In fact, it would be more than anything. Like, clearly, there's going to be an imperial footprint in, in Coruscant. Yeah, like the Imperial Palace, where the Jedi Temple used to be. Like, that's going to be super cool to yeah. see. Oh, I've never and heard so, of the Imperial Palace. What an interesting concept, but of course. Yeah, Palpatine, like a giant dick, just decides, let me make this my palace. Yeah. <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. And so, yeah, give us Palpatine um, in his office or in, like, in the... Like show a repurposed Jedi archives or something like that would be so damn cool. So something uh, something occurs to me that we're talking about uh, Coruscant. I'm not saying they should do this, but if they ever were to do it, this would be the time to bring back Mace Windu. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Of course, it is. He'd be in hiding, but like for Andor. <laughs> well, sure. I just mean timeline wise. Oh, timeline-wise. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, I just think of all the shows, that would be, like, the biggest veer off. No, of yeah, like and I know side. we've talked a lot about how I don't want to see a Skywalker story, so I, I guess part of that is I don't really want to see a lot of Jedi stories either. But it would be an opportunity to uh, very clearly depict the changing of the galaxy. And I'm not really somebody who thinks that, Obi or that Mace Windu survived, but if you wanted to, and I also think in general we should stop reneging on character deaths, but um, oh my god yes if, especially his yeah i'm not saying it would be valuable but i am saying like if you wanted to tag it in somewhere or even just like leave some breadcrumbs this is kind of the era in which you would do that and we're going to be in coruscant if they have plans of doing it and they want a breadcrumb here go for it i think that's totally fine yeah bringing mace windu back is in my opinion a bad decision me too but it's a huge decision yep. and it's the it is the the crux of what you're doing, not uh, an afterthought. And so that would, uh, it would be very, it's not like Robert Rodriguez uh, made this one. So I'm not expecting it to be all over the place. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the God. way the book of Boba Fett was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or like four shows in one. Mm. Uh, and I think that's, it would need to be that if we were to get Mace Windu. But in that same vein, some strong Revenge of the Sith tie-ins. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Give me some of those. Location-wise, it's the main central location of that movie. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of things you could tie in. The Delegation of 2000, uh, that's uh, a lot of deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith. It's the start of the rebellion. It's run by Mon Mothma. It's her deleted scenes, basically. Uh, Padme and Bail Organa and like a couple other senators and whatnot. Um, so follow up on some things from that. Totally. And have Padme mentioned even. Uh, the last thing I want to see in this show is Cassian as a proper anti-hero. Uh, what did he mean when he told Jin Erso that the Rebellion made him do things he wasn't proud of? Why is his allegiance to the Rebellion by the time of Rogue One so complicated? Um, I think this is the where the potential lies for the show to have a new tone of darkness for Star Wars. Um, and I think that they can still make a character who's moral you know make a character who's less concerned with being good and more concerned with doing what's right because i think there's a difference between the two mm -hmm. i think that's well put that's extremely well put, especially with the way cassian will have to make decisions as somebody who's orphaned and brought up um raised by separatists um and then to have the empire take over, it looks like he gets within their ranks, probably going undercover. 
I mean, he's just going he's going through the ringer mm -hmm. for the rebellion and doing it for a cause. And so in that same vein, will he make will that be like, will he make the right decision or will he make the right decision for, like for what is morally good at the start? And then by the end of it, be a company man and do what is be a good guy doing bad things as opposed to doing what's right. Maybe that's the story. Maybe it is going from, maybe it's, it's breaking good. <laughs> well, yeah. And like, what is a bad, or what is a good guy doing bad things? Like that's yeah. It's, it's, because a for the greater good but not for sure but like also right. like a lot of the ethical conversations about character turns in star wars are about the dark side and the light side and like oh no i'm starting to think maybe i'm bad and so these are like very cut and dry uh binary mm. terms whereas like we have an opportunity to have a character who like thinks for himself which literally anakin cannot do and that's his main problem and so if if he is making choices based on what he thinks is right or what he knows is wrong, but he does anyway, we have an opportunity to create some good drama. Yeah, I, and I completely agree with that. It will. I I think it will come down to him having that cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. between what he's doing and what he thinks, and um, there could be a little bit of a crisis of conscience in our main character, which um, was was a good part of Obi Wan. And I'm happy to see that again uh, or have it interpreted better through Rogue One um, after understanding how he got there. That's sort of what Barry is about. I don't know if you've watched Barry on HBO with Bill Hader, but like this is about a guy who like considers himself to be a good person who just does bad things. And the show's not over yet, but without giving it away too much, we've gone very much towards the, no, this is a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so it'd be interesting if we can go in the other direction or if or if maybe this show will really recontextualize our opinions about Cassian for for Rogue One reviews. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily know if him doing bad things for the good guys will change our opinion so much of him, but it may give us a better understanding. It may make him a sadder character overall, I think. Um but in that same way someone else needs to win in this show. Yeah, because then it just means it's a show about a man who just gets beaten down. And then the sequel is Rogue One, where hope springs eternal. And so yeah. I don't want that um, unless there is that thread of positivity in there too. Any other honorable mentions or like final predictions you want to make? We're still a month out from this show, so we'll have another opportunity to to come up with some ideas. Yeah, we'll have more time to to talk about Andor and what we want to see and what we don't want to see. Those are the main things. I was glad I brought in the Bothans. I definitely want to yeah. see some Bothans. Oh, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see this first arc and to see what that's like. I'd like the episodes to be of a, a decent length. I'd like to see more in the 40 minutes and then in the 30 minutes time. And I think if we're going to have things more like a play, like you said, with, with narrative of dialogue, um, as opposed to big action set pieces, although we've seen some pretty damn cool ones in trailers. And um, I want to see I'd action. Okay don't get me it. wrong. I just, I, no, I no, think no, character I development exists in dialogue and I, I don't want them to be afraid of that. And it's also, we have 24 episodes. Right. That would be three seasons of another series of eight episodes a piece. And that's a long time to flesh things out. And so you have the ability to, um, explore the way that people didn't feel Obi-Wan had the liberty to. Right. That's six episodes. And that's why people were like, oh no, this is too slow because you don't have enough time to um, 
give us more Hayden Christensen if you give us too much Obi-Wan walking around the streets sort of thing. Right, so. right. Um, okay, uh, do you want to cover any Star Wars news? Is there anything in the leakosphere? I really can't. Like, I have not seen anything news-wise. Okay. Uh, there's a little bit about uh, Visions, uh, that they may not go fully animate, anime on the next uh, season. Uh, they may do just, like, all kinds of animation. So uh, I saw someone suggest uh, the artists uh, for the gorillas could do it. And oh. I saw someone somewhere suggest um, that that show uh, arcane. I think that's what it's called. Okay. Maybe uh, it's an extremely well. And like, there's this really high budget animation show. I think it's called arcane. It could be yeah. wrong or something very similar to that. And I, and I just saw a couple images of it. And I was like, Oh, that would be incredible um, to see a star Wars done in, in that style. And the way that they've experimented with, there's a clone war style and there was a rebel style. Give us, yeah, I want to see some really creative uh, animation styles. I think that could be, that could be really cool. Um, the acolyte is, uh, it's filming, uh, and I, they're, or starting filming, I believe at the moment, uh, Ahsoka's underway. Dave Filoni called, uh, watching one of the episodes, a religious experience, Wow! uh, which not to <laughs> well, overstate I mean, it or him. anything. Sure. Of course it's yeah. A character that he saw he, from a, 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 an artist on SpongeBob to, uh, directing a, a character in live action that you drew for your childhood hero. I mean, that, that's pretty damn cool. Yes, so I, I get what he means from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, but it also, yeah, it, it's pretty big, uh, pretty big stakes to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Rosario Dawson, uh, and um, she continues to be a good Star Wars ambassador. Amanda Stenberg seems like uh, they're going to be an excellent one as well. Um, yeah. Nothing really else uh, out, out there. No. Cool. All right. Uh, well, if you have any other uh, predictions or uh, you want to let us know what you do or you don't want to see in Andor, of course, you can always tweet us at Recorder66 or you can email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, please make sure you rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And if you're joining us on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe. And until we are together again, may the force be with you.